That's why I kept having to remind them. I'm in a room full of actors. All of you guys chose for whatever reason to do some type of plastic surgery or maintenance on your face, your body, your butt, your titties, whatever. Don't forget your before body. Stay tuned. We'll get to my conversation with OG from Basketball Wives right after these quick ads. Hey, Raindrops. So on today's Reality with the King episode, I have the one, the only OG from season eight of Basketball Wives. Baby, we get into a lot of stuff. Of course, we get into the conversations of colorism and how OG felt that was a big issue that she faced being on the show. We get into her and Evelyn's drama. In addition to her relationships with Shawnee, Tammy Roman, and even one of the producers who allegedly did some very shady things to her. This was a very deep, insightful, informational, and educational conversation with OG. And I cannot wait until y'all hear it. Without further ado, here is OG. Well, OG, it's so nice to finally meet you. It's funny because I'm a huge Basketball Wise fan. I love the show since the inception many, 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 many years ago, darling. And when you came on, I was like, oh, they, 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 they found a good one. Because when I look at reality stars, I look at somebody who is authentically themselves and who just give to the show what they would give in their everyday life. And I felt like, job well done casting OG. And I even tweeted that, I love me some OG. And the reality fans was like, Carlos King, create a show for OG. We love her too. So I was like, okay, so we all love OG. How did it feel in the beginning of this process? And we'll go down into, of course, what happened. But in the beginning, OG, you were one of the fan favorites on Basketball Wives. What happened to where you're no longer on the show? Okay, so I think that for me as a public figure, it's imperative that certain things are told from the horse's mouth. A lot of rumors were sparked from my first season. Oh, OG's not returning. She's fired. Again, my second season, OG's not returning. She's fired. I will say this. When I initially signed my contract, I signed on for five years, okay? So I was locked in for those five years and I was ready, willing, and able to work those five years and then move on to my next step. Come my third year, it was apparent that they did not really want me to be the best version of myself. They were purposely editing it to make me look like a nightmare, which was not true, which ultimately caused a lot of behind the scene issues because I think that it's imperative that when you're having problems at work, you talk to your employers right away, which I did. You don't wait till they terminate you And so as things were arising, I was telling them, you know, I'm having issues with this. You guys are doing this. We need to fix this so that this can be a work environment that is productive. And ultimately, they chose to fire me because I refused. Yes, I refused to lie. I refused to do anything that was not morally okay with myself. And I stood my ground. And because of that, I was terminated on my third year of my contract. Now, mind you, when I signed my third year contract, we do. So we had a revision. Um, I got a pay increase. And as one of those stipulations, 
they pretty much said, we need to add two more years. And I was like, no, I just want to do my five years and just move on because you guys clearly don't like me. You clearly are not treating me respectable, you know, in my eyes. And I think the audience noticed that as well. And they were like, no, in order to get your pay increase, you need to add on two years. So they gave me seven years in total and then ultimately fired me, not allowing me to complete my contract. And I have to get that out there because I'm not a quitter. Like, listen, I don't care how hard it gets. I don't quit. Um, I thug it out. So So when you said, okay, so let's back up a little bit. And it's good you're talking to me because, you know, I understand the industry, obviously. You know, I have a production company. We create shows, we cast shows, and we have deals with networks. So for my listeners, I want to break it down for them, OG, really quickly. But obviously, stop me if I say anything inaccurate. So you signed on to do Basketball Wives. Um, They had a five-year option on you when you signed up for the first year. You did the first year, and... We loved you. I loved you. The fans loved you. Um, But we also knew, obviously, you had a very tough season, and we'll get into that, too. But you signed on to do a second season, and then what happened your third season of wanting to do the show where you said that you were fired? Did they fire you because you didn't sign the contract to have the additional two years? Did they fire you because... Are, are you alleging that they wanted you to say something that you weren't comfortable with? Like, what what do you think allegedly was the reason behind you being let go? Okay, so first year, like you said, was rough. Um, I got very horrible edits. They kind of tried to, like, cut me out of the scenes and what have you. Um, okay, no problem. Second season, every time you saw what you, as you know, Carlos, being a producer, we have wins. Like, when you're going against your castmates, like certain castmates will get W's and certain castmates will take losses in these combats when you're verbally going at each other, okay? So I clearly was having multiple wins against the collectives and I had no idea that they were setting me up every time and failing miserably every single time. And that was making them uncomfortable. We were shaking the table too much. Myself, my man, my team, people who were team OG were like, Dang, they keep putting her in these situations. They keep calling her ugly. They keep calling her this, that, monkey, gorilla. And yet she still keeps coming back with facts, facts, facts. I mean, you're searching to try to see if my real Louis Vuitton is fake. Facts. Here are my receipts. And they didn't like that. So they could not get the wins for their favorites like they wanted to. A big issue on our show is that we have an executive producer who is also a cast member. So anyone who kisses her ass is going to get access to information they should not have access to. They should not have access to my contract. They should not have access to how much I'm getting paid. They should not have access to what's happening in my separate scenes when they're not present, but they did. However, I did not have access to any of this information. So when you see me reacting to everything that was done to me, I was literally caught off guard every single time. Nobody helped me. Producers didn't take me to get uh, prints in Costa Rica. I didn't get to go print up receipts. Every You see me say, let me go get my phone. That's because I was told by production, leave your phone in the car. So I left my phone in the car. You know, we all did. Except Jackie. Jackie had all two of her phones on her and she was recording on her little end. I left my phone in the car. So when this person was like, oh, I, oh, you're my ex. Da, da, da. Okay, cool. Let me go get my receipt. And they didn't like that. So ultimately what happened was I got sued. I don't know if you guys remember, I received a lawsuit from my coworker 
And she sued me because she was making nasty, racist statements. And I called her out on it. And then I got sued. And then I got a restraining order that they tried to have issue against me that was ultimately dismissed. So that's what started the catalyst of an even more toxic environment. This person sued me to, I don't know if she was trying to not have to film with me or trying to stop my money flow by cutting me out of certain scenes if she's present, but she did not succeed because we are still in court as of today. As of today. Girl, that lawsuit was still happening. That's, that's years ago, sis. It hasn't been settled because what happened was is she sued me October of 2019. COVID happened. All of 2020 and beginning of 2021, courts were closed. When we finally had our first court date where we had to appear via Zoom, that person didn't want to appear via Zoom because she alleged she feared for her life. So the judge was not having it. A lot of people were like, what is going on? So we had a continuous. For those who don't know, a continuous is when you push like trial dates. Now come to 2022, our trial date was set for this December. This person, Lazada, has literally changed attorneys three times. She had her first attorney who actually used to be Jen's um, divorce lawyer. I don't know what happened, but that relationship dissolved. Then she asked for uh, a document to be able to represent herself. So then she was now her own attorney. That lasted for a few months, and then that was dissolved. And she just now hired a new attorney and asked for the court date to be moved to June of 2024. Oh, okay. Um, wow, OG, this is a lot. So let's 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 unpack this a bit. So this lawsuit is still ongoing because obviously, you know, this person alleged that you made comments that she was racist, um, said these racist things about you. And allegedly, she is saying that she lost deals because of these allegations. Is, is, is that the, the merit of the lawsuit from her point of view, allegedly? Correct. So she's alleging that by me saying um, you're a racist on my Twitter, that um, that caused her to allegedly lose endorsements. And I've already done everything I was supposed to do on my end. I've turned in my discovery. I've turned in most of my evidence and I still have more. And the funny thing is you have to have a good reputation to lose that reputation. She never had a good reputation. She lost endorsements because she was pounding her pussy on national TV to millions of viewers. Me, I lost money. I lost endorsements. I've been out thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in legal fees to have to deal with this mess because she couldn't just say, take my L and move on. She thought that she was going to be able to insult me on national TV and degrade me on national TV. And she was very unsuccessful. In fact, she just made it all reverse on herself. I was not the first person to call her racist. Everybody has amnesia. The first person to call her racist in my first season and also her first season was season seven when she made those nasty, disgusting comments to Cece. I'm not even going to repeat them. Everybody knows what she called Cece. And that's only what you guys saw. That's not even what you guys saw behind the scenes. What you saw on national TV to multi-million viewers was her calling Cece nasty, racist names. And Cece said in that moment, oh, so you're a racist. So I always pose the question, why didn't you sue Cece? Cece called you a racist. Not that you have any warrant 
you have no reason you can sue her. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. And if you act in a certain way, if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, it's a duck. Okay. You called her a nasty racial name and she called you out on it to millions of viewers. I called you racist on my Twitter to thousands. If that, not millions. You see what I'm saying? So that in itself proves the colorism. That in itself proves the racism. You don't sue the Filipino girl, you sue the chocolate African girl because you think I'm in the wrong. I'm not in the wrong. I know what I saw. I know what I heard and I know what I experienced. And I think that a lot of people, they have fear because when these nasty things are happening to you, you don't want to shake the table. You don't want to have to cause a ruckus. But honestly, this stuff happening, I I either had to choose to do the right thing or to act like it didn't happen all for the bad. And I couldn't do that. It just morally was not okay for me to say, okay, they could be racist in the environment and I'm just going to get my money and leave. No, we're going to talk about it and you're going to stop or leave. I'm not the racist one. I don't have a problem. I like the way I look. I never commented on their appearance because I'm not attracted to females like that. So what's the problem? It's not my issue. It's their issue. All of them. And do you think this lawsuit issue was the reasoning behind the two of you allegedly not being on the show anymore? No, I, I, I'm i not on the show because I was fired. She's not on the show because, I mean, and these are all rumors. Of course, I have my own way of fact-checking these rumors, but I was told that she wasn't going to come back if they let me come back, right? So here we go again. We're playing these games. I'm not going to go to the reunion if you show me getting tossed in the bushes. That's what happened. What do you want to do? This is reality TV. If you took an L, oh, well, take it to the chin and move on. But she can't do that because of ego. You're never going to steamroll me. You're never going to get ahead of me. You're never going to outsmart me. You're never going to be able to win a word battle with me. So all she could do was try to affect my money and make these empty threats behind scenes and say, oh, if OG's in a scene, I'm not doing it. That's what the restraining order was supposed to be. It was supposed to stop me from filming. That wasn't going to happen because she didn't get issued that restraining order. She was denied the restraining order for a reason. You know, when you start playing with the court system, that's very dangerous. It's very dangerous. And she's been successful with other people because nobody has had the guts to say enough is enough. This type of stuff is literally happening right now with our officials, with our leaders. Not too long ago, a Latina lady was caught on a recording calling a young Black child a monkey and also saying that one of our other officials is with the Blacks. That's the mentality. So we're not going to pretend like it's not happening. It's how you thug it out and how you address it. I think I addressed it the best way I could with the best evidence I could do it with. And I have no regrets. None. I never understood why you were labeled ugly. Look, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. We know that. But when I look at you, and, and, and I mean this, I'm not just saying this because um, I'm talking to you. I think you're a very beautiful woman. I really do. You, you are so smart. You have beautiful skin. You are a, a light. Like, like, and, and, and you were always enjoyable to watch. And one thing about me producing reality television is... The reason why I like creating shows is because I want to show all facets of people, especially Black women. You know, I have a show called Bell Collective, and a lot of people were so happy that we talked about colorism on the show. 
But also, one of the stars of the show is a very curvy, dark-skinned black woman from the South. And, 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 and that was a strong message to send. So I'm all for us breaking down barriers. You being on Basketball Wise always felt was a good look for the show because you were somebody who didn't look like the cast in a great way. And like you said earlier, you held your own. Do you think the issues happen with you and the ladies because on that show, it appears, allegedly, that the new girls get hazed? And it's sort of like, if you're the OG of the show, no pun intended, um, you're a click. But when you're a newbie, you have to, like, earn your stripes. Do you think they allegedly picked on you because they were hazing you? Or do you think it really had to do with you being a dark-skinned Black woman? To answer that question in its entirety is going to be difficult because that would require me to be in their heads to know what they were actually thinking. So all I can say is this. When I was around and certain girls were not around, we had a lot of fun. In fact, there were many times that scenes that were left on the cutting room floor where like, I shot a scene with Jackie and Shawnee. Shawnee was extremely late, so we had to start the scene because we were waiting a couple of hours and they had to get going. So she was upset that we started the scene, but when she got in there, we were laughing. We were shooting pool. It was fun. Why didn't you guys show that? I think that they wanted to perpetrate a narrative against me for their own insecurities. I don't know what their issue is. I don't know why. When I was told at reunion that I wasn't going to be on the stage, that's when I asked. I said, what is it? Is it about my melanin? Is it because I live in my color and I love it? Like I was literally genuinely asking Mark Lamont Hill, who is saying these things and what's the issue? What these girls don't know is I'm about relationships. I'm about building and cultivating genuine relationships with good people. And I'm very good at being able to read somebody and react. And I thank sports for that. That's what football taught me, how to read and react. I saw these girls for what they were my first season. I started breaking down every scene like it was game film. And I read and reacted and I was able to defeat them every single play because they cannot win with offense. That's what they say in sports. It's a known saying. Offense wins games. Defense wins championships. I was literally playing defense all the time in every scene. I didn't know who was my allies and I realized I had no allies. Jackie wasn't my friend. She wasn't going to do shit. Cece did the best she could, but she was already underwater trying to tread lightly and come out of that. They accepted Kristen. She came the same season as me. She came as a package with Cece and they accepted her. It wasn't about hazing. It wasn't about that. It was who was going to kiss their ass and who was not. And if I look different and I act different, they have a problem. Yeah, because not to cut you off, Kristen's a dark-skinned woman herself. So it begs the question, OG, in the beginning of your experience, because you're right, none of us are in their head. So I I, want to respectfully make sure that I honor your experience. So um, based on your experience, right? Knowing that Kristen is a dark-skinned Black woman, you are a dark-skinned Black woman. They accepted Kristen, as you said. And, and, and as a viewer, I would say Kristen definitely was amongst, you know, the o- being a part of the OGs and being, being accepted. One of the things about colorism is a lot of people did not know the definition of it. Um, so I would love for you to define it because one thing that you said so beautifully is you and Kristen are both dark-skinned women. But you also talked about how Kristen's features are more westernized. You, you touch on the difference between 
how dark-skinned people are also treated differently amongst each other. Correct. Correct. So that was a big topic um, amongst the collectives. Oh, what is colorism? What is racism? There is a difference between the two. I don't believe that an actual Black person has the capability to be racist by definition. And what I mean by that is racism is the suppression of one ethnic group. The suppression, right? That is different. You can't really suppress yourself You can be suppressed by oppressors, but you can't suppress yourself. So I'm going to shelf that over there for racism. When it comes to colorism, colorism is within that ethnic group. So this is why people have to understand it is about the pendulum of hues. It is about the features. It's not just about, oh, she's dark, I'm dark, so we both get treated the same or we both get treated differently. What I experienced and what I witnessed was because I was of a more chocolate complexion and I assigned myself as a Nigerian woman from the very beginning, my features, you can see me and know I'm African. All my life I was told, I know you're Black, but you're different. Good or bad, it's because I have African features. The reason why Kristen was treated different, in my opinion, is because she had more Western features, a more slender nose, what they stereotypically say is good hair, even though she wears a weave. You know, all those different things are what assign themselves with what colorism is. You are treating me different, and you can look at it with slavery. The lighter complected slaves were allowed to go and to be in the house. They were allowed to be seen by other white people as the acceptable slave, even in slavery. Everybody's a slave. Everybody's being treated like crap. However, the lighter one got more favor, okay? The darker ones were forced to work in the field. The ones with more chocolate hue were forced to be treated worse, were raped, were pillaged, were just, it's disgusting, To say that you don't understand the difference, you have to understand the history of slavery. Colorism is done by our own people and it's done by outsiders as well. And it's in tandem with racism. They go aligned hand in hand, but they are different with their own definition. So it's important for people to understand that you're treating somebody different based solely on the color of their skin and how dark they are. Thank you for breaking that down. I I strongly believe you're not only educating people of our community, the Black community, but you're also educating all communities. And I'm happy that you were able to break it down that way because I do strongly believe that a lot of people didn't understand the difference. And one thing I always tell people, it's okay to not know everything, but once you do know and have the knowledge and the definition of it, then let's do better for we won't make these same mistakes again. So thank you for breaking that down, OG. Ooh, child, I hate to interrupt. But we'll be right back with more from OG right after this quick break. This is Reality with the King, and I'm Carlos King. Let's get back into my conversation with Basketball Wives OG. Based on your experience, right, do you think it had a lot to do with Kristen allegedly kissing their ass? Um, versus you not kissing their ass or kissing the ring in a sense. I explained this in an interview. I don't do a lot of interviews, but one of the interviews that I did do with Kendra G, I explained this where I think that there is acceptable Black people in Hollywood. And that is their quota. Like, And there's three types. And I strongly believe this. I feel like there's the one type that they will accept if they are going to be the butt of the joke, the gesture, the one who everybody gets to rag on 
and they're just going to constantly clown on her. And she's always going to have to bring that, or he or she is always going to have to bring that comedic spin. That's the acceptable person. And that is Jackie Christie, the one who is always going to be clowned on, always going to be called crazy, always going to be laughed at and is expected to, oh, a bee's coming, oh, act all kooky and crazy like the Sambo. That's her role. Then there's the role of the pick me, the role of the follower, the one who's going to, yes, ma, yeah, uh, no, ma, yeah, ma. That's Kristen. I'm not that person. I'm not her. I'm not a person who's going to fall in line with that slave mentality and just do what their masters tell them to do. And that's why she was accepted because she was that role of the person who's not going to really, really address things like they're supposed to. She's going to do as she's told and fall in line. And that's why I think that they accept their quota Black people. That It's sad to say, but this is a fact. You work in the industry and you realize things and you see things from your own experience and you're saying, okay, how can I survive in this industry if I'm not going to be the clown and I'm not going to be the slave? What am I going to be? You have to be yourself. You have to be you. That way you can sleep easy at night. I don't have no problems being myself. It's other people who can't handle me. I handle me just fine. That's why I kept having to remind them. I'm in a room full of actors. All of you guys chose, for whatever reason, to do some type of plastic surgery or maintenance on your face, your body, your butt, your titties, whatever. Don't forget your before body. Humble yourself. Don't forget what your chin looked like. Don't forget what your teeth looked like. Don't forget what your ass didn't even exist. Don't forget your before body. This is natural. And I love the way God made me. But when you're in a room full of actors... And everybody thinks, oh, I'm this and I'm that and my shit don't stink. I will remind you. Wait, 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 wait. OG, OG you're, you're saying, you're saying, saying afters, A-F-T-E-R-S. A-F-T-E-R-S. You know how when you get plastic surgery and you watch a page and it's the before picture and here's the after and the before, they're all blurred out. And then the after, they show, yes, in a room full of afters. <laughs> I ain't lying. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> And well, I have nothing OG, against look. plastic surgery. I worked at Hooters for 10 years. I saw some of the best plastic surgery a sugar daddy and a regular could buy. And I'm all for maintaining your body. But do not get mad at a woman who chooses not to go that route. The only surgeries that I've had, broken finger, broken leg, these are athletic injuries. I've never opted to do any cosmetic surgery because I don't want to. But don't knock me because I did it. And then that's when I have to play defense and remind you, you did. And what was your reason? You're still single. You married Rich, he left you. So you divorced Rich. You had a baby Rich, he left you. What was the reason? Did you do the surgery for you? Or did you do the surgery to put your Venus flytrap out there and catch your next victim? You have to ask yourself those questions. I I forgot you are a great um, reader and wordsmith. (laughs) But no, it goes back to what you said. You, We loved you, OG, because, OG, you would read the girls down, honey. Um, and, and you would do it without being bothered. And that's what I love as a producer. I love seeing how there could be a conflicted situation. And to me, I always say this to people. The best reality TV moment is when something is, like, intense, but you can laugh. You know what I mean? Like... I, I, I love the fact that I, I don't like when it gets dirty and, and people fight and all, like I just think that's just whatever. I like it when you can stand up for yourself and laugh and have a kiki. I read your girl. Let me keep it moving. But you got read. And that to me is what you brought to the show too. So Tammy Roman is somebody who personally a couple of years ago reached out to me because when I 
showed you love publicly on my Twitter, it did go viral. And a lot of blogs and outlets picked it up. And Tammy Roman, who's a friend of mine, she hit me up and said, I see you love OG. Um, is there a show you can do for her? And I said to her, I said, look, I'm still trying to get my bearings on my, with my company. And I said, but always know if there's something that makes sense for OG, like a brother's down, because I really do think you're fantastic. And I was happy to have that conversation with Tammy. We had Tammy on this podcast as well, OG. And she said something that allegedly a producer on the show called you unattractive and said you could not dress. Is that true? That is true. And I'm grateful for Tammy. I will say this because she was somebody who was told nasty things about me and chose to kind of go a different route. At first, she was like, okay, I don't know her. But as she got to know me and as I got to know her, she realized they're crazy. First of all, I will say this. I'm not going to take fashion advice from people who don't know fashion. If you have to pay someone to help you dress yourself every single day, don't tell me nothing about fashion. I sew. I draw. I actually design. I'm a creative. And they knew this with me going in. In fact, the producer who made that comment, one of the producers, because it was more than one producer that made that comment. <gasps> the it one, was? Yes. The one that I know of that said it to Tammy specifically. I will speak on that producer. That person told me they love that I can do all these things to my face. Of course, it's always different to my face. To my face, oh, da-da-da-da-da. Behind my back is stabbing me in the back, left and right. That producer told me that, oh, can you sew? I shot a scene where I was sewing. They tried to have me shoot a scene with Malaysia and her stylist friend, and they never aired that scene. You want to know why they never aired that scene? Because I purposely came with an outfit that I made that I cut and sew. I drew it, I posted it, and then I wore it because I was set. they were trying to set me up. You can't teach somebody who teaches you. A creative is the one who sets the norm. Not everybody dresses the same. Look at Erica Badu. She has her own style, her own way, and when she's wearing it, it's fashion, it's high fashion, it's avant-garde, it's different. The same thing for the next person. But if you're just logo, 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 like a foreign exchange student, and you just arrived in the States and you don't know what to wear and what to do, that's not fashion. That's not fashion. And I keep trying to explain to them, you can say I'm ugly. No problem. You can say I can't dress. I've had no problems getting men, okay? Especially the ones that you guys want. I've had no complaints. Kwame's with me. We've been together. It'll be eight years in December. We don't have kids that are forcing us to stay together. We don't have a marriage that's forcing us to stay together. We don't have child support, alimony, none of that shit. He loves it here. He loves it here because I have everything those women don't have. And that's why they struggle in relationships. That's fashion. Is that what you think is going to get your mayor? Is that what you think is going to cultivate friendships, whether they're platonic or romantic? No. What's so funny to me, mm. Carlos? Yes. Jen's worn outfits that I've worn. I wore them first. Malaysia's worn outfits that I've worn. I wore them first. But when it's on them, it's because they don't like me. Somebody who doesn't like me, it doesn't matter if I'm wearing it or not. They're going to say they don't like it because I'm wearing it. Not because I'm wearing it wrong. These bitches have copied my style, my hair, my phone case. I see it because the public doesn't see everything. Where'd you get that, OG? Where'd you get that, OG? They're in my room when I'm doing my makeup. I had to kick Jackie out like, girl, go to your room. 
want to see how you contoured. When we went to Amsterdam, Shawnee was so mad. I came to Amsterdam in a wig, and that night I braided my own hair. Shawnee and I caught each other in the elevator, and she goes, did you fly in hair and makeup? I'm like, no, I did this myself last night. Mm. Are you mad because you're not talented? What do you do? I even helped Malaysia braid her hair. That's why those scenes where, like, for example, that classic scene where Malaysia's making fun of my wig, that scene irritates me. And I'm going to give you some tea on that scene. That scene irritates me because, for one, my reads were all live, okay? I was reading her for filth on camera. She had to read me in a confessional four months later. So it took her four months to come up with, oh, your wig's in the car. Bravo, babe. Bravo for taking you four months to come with the comeback. And somebody probably gave you that comeback. I came to that scene from my full-time job as a corporate executive after football practice. And I told the producers, and this, this is what really pissed me off because it was a female black producer that I told. I said, hey, my wig is not getting tacked down. Does anybody have any glue, anything tacky, even gel, anything? She goes, no, we can just pull it back a little bit and align it with your natural part. Nobody's going to see it. So then we shoot the scene. And I see her whisper to Malaysia and she whispered to Malaysia and the Malaysia, you know, when somebody tells you something, she brings her eyes up to my wig and I'm like, oh, I knew it. I said, this bitch is going to come for me about my hair. After I asked you guys for help, it's okay. I have naturally long hair under here. It's okay. That's not a healthy environment to be a part of. And I, I feel so, I feel sorry you had to, you had to go through that because one thing about producing reality TV, it can't be intense because you have to be vulnerable and show your real life. And obviously, unexpected things happen. Like, we all get that. But it should never be a situation where you feel like every time you go to work, you're going to be attacked by your parents. Like, that is just, that's crazy to me. And a lot of the fans saw that. A lot of the media picked this story up, OG, about what we were all watching on the show. And it became a very hot topic. So much so... Shawnee released a statement, and I think maybe also did a video, if I'm not mistaken, where she apologized to you and apologized to what was going on. Did you accept her apology, and did she ever reach out to you personally? Are you talking about um, the sit-down with Mark Lamont Hill? Yes. Okay, so that was, um, for lack of a better word, damage control. That was not an apology to me. That was an apology for what she thinks or alleges I experienced or felt. She never once texted me, never once called me, never once had a on-camera or off-camera conversation about anything. The problem was is I strongly believe if you really genuinely are sorry for something, you apologize for what you did, not what somebody feels. Because I don't feel anything. I haven't even touched the surface on how I felt. So far, I've only shared my experience. She has never called and apologized to me because she doesn't have the guts to. She doesn't have the courage to say I was wrong in this entire scenario. Why? Because she's evil. That woman is evil. You heard it from me. I'm not the first person who said it, and I'm not the last person who's going to say it. Shawnee does not have a pure, clean spirit about her. I can say this because I've been around her. Everything that she does is for fake facade cameras. Look at how she did Tammy, her friend. Look at how she does Jackie 24-7, her friend. She's not cool. And look at how she allows her alleged associates and friends to act and then co-signs it. 
If you really wanted to have a conversation about colorism or a conversation about racism, you would have sat down with me. Not Mark Lamont Hill, the other acceptable Black person who's going to be the puppy dog fall in line. Pick me. Isn't that what I've already explained? It's literally right in front of our face. It's just so sad. And where is Mark now? Mark has tried to reach out to me. I will give him that. But I think that he failed all Black women in that instance because he knew what he was told to do was wrong. And he did it anyways. He knew it was wrong. So if you know it's wrong, why not have the guts and the courage to be like, no, put your foot down. Cece in that moment is like, no, if OG's not on the stage, we're not going out. The only reason why I came back was because I was still negotiating my contract. I had not gotten paid one penny for that season yet because I was still negotiating my contract. And I didn't want to give them any reason to say I breached my contract. No, I'm going to be real with you. Watching that... First of all, I was heated that you were a lot on stage because you never physically fought anybody. So I never understood, like, why is she not allowed to be on stage when prior to OG being on the show, there's been tons of physical fights on that show. And people were still allowed to be on the on the stage. I I didn't like that. And I'm gonna be real with you. I was so disappointed when you did come back to 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 complete the reunion. Now I hear your reason and I get it, but I like to be honest and 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 talk to you about my my thought process cuz my thought process was like, "Oh gee, you you're such a beautiful woman with a beautiful spirit that God is going to protect you and take care of you." And and what I didn't want, OG, and I'm saying this to you personally, I didn't want you to give off the impression that you needed that situation because you have a lot of ride and dies for you, OG. And and that was my initial reaction. I was like, sis, you don't need it. And that's why, look, this podcast is to give everybody an opportunity to express their experience. And just so the audience know, I reached out to OG personally. OG didn't reach out to me. I reached out to OG because I was reminded that this is somebody who I felt wasn't given the, the proper due on reality television. And I wanted you to hear from me as a Black man in this business. I just wanted to give you your flowers, your respect, and to let you hear from me that I think you are gorgeous. You're beautiful inside and out. And one thing I know for sure, OG, sometimes God will allow you to go through the fire because he knows that you are built for it. And, and, and we're always, not often, we're always used to give him the glory, but we're also used to be a messenger to other people. And I feel like based on your experience, you have definitely, and, and, and I'm going to say this, and I don't care who gets mad at me for saying it, this is my truth. You are the first person on reality television to open up the conversations about colorism as it relates to being on reality TV. And for that, I just want to say thank you for having that strength to do it on your own. Thank you. No, I really appreciate that because it's been a tough journey and a tough road. And uh, not for nothing. I've gotten so many positive messages. I've gotten, take out the negativity. All the people who have felt what I said on any level gave me the reason to continue the fight. Because like you said, nobody wants to talk about it. Now, after that situation happened, go and do your research to see how many other shows had no choice but to talk about this. This is a teachable moment. 
this is a teachable era. We are no longer going to be able to get away with having certain types of behavior behind closed doors because now people can record things. Now people can bring it to light and now people can address it. And the mob, (laughs) the comment gallery, okay, they will stop you in your tracks. And people don't like when it affects their money. People don't like when all of a sudden nobody wants to mess with you because the truth has come out with how you feel about Black people. I'm going to say this, Black people, African, Africans who are assigned to know where they come from. Some people don't know where they come from, but they know that they're Black. They know their African descent. True Africans, Nigerians like myself, African-Americans, African, whatever you want to call it, we set the wave and the tempo for how things are done in this world. We are the ones who spend the money. We are the ones who create the culture. We are the ones that tell you what's hot and what's not. So you can't get rid of us. You can push us down. You can make fun of us because of the way we look and the color of our skin, but you cannot get rid of the originators. You can't. And that's why this conversation was so important to have. Now, mind you, I had it. I realized I was amongst people who were not willing to learn. So then I paused but they wanted me to keep talking about it, but not because they wanted to resolve some of these issues. They wanted me to keep talking about it to make me look crazy. Once again, a part of the problem. We could have moved forward. We could have agreed to disagree. A lot of different things could have happened. But when you choose to stay in your negativity, naivety, whatever you want to call it, or your evil way of thinking, that's your bed. You have to lie on it. I didn't do anything wrong. I definitely did not get my just do like you said. I have a lot of story to tell. I have a lot that's going on in my life that people aren't even fully aware of. And I would love to share it publicly. I would love to. You don't think I want to do my maternity shoots and my weddings and all those great things for the audience to see. And then all the other natural drama that happens. But when you're fabricating stuff, it's it's difficult to do that. It really is. So you haven't closed the door on reality television. You would love to get back in that genre. Of course. And it'll happen. It'll happen. As long as I have some type of creative control, it will happen. I I know it will. And the audience will be excited. The audience will be excited to see something different. You don't have to see Black people fighting 24-7. Enough is with my words. My words are like daggers. I didn't have to lift a finger. If I did, no one would have survived. (laughs) If I did, no one would have survived. (laughs) Oh, gee. Well, first of all, them hands, I'm sure, are good. But your mouth... You are the Mike Tyson of 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 word <laughs> because your words is a TKO baby. It will knock a motherfucker out. I'm just saying. So let's be clear before I let you go. Um, we know that you are every uh your what is it? OG. I'm your favorite, favorite athlete, athlete's favorite, favorite athlete. athlete, and don't ever forget it. Have you heard from from Chad Ochocinco? Yeah, Chad and I, listen, my guy to the T, Chad and I are like this, you know, that situation actually brought us even closer, which is hilarious to say, because, you know, I didn't know what was happening truly. I didn't know if he really gave it to her, like if he gave her those, I didn't know really what was happening. All I knew was if anybody's coming for me, I'll give you the facts. And thank God for iPhones, thank God for iClouds, thank God for transferring over text messages and backing it up. Because um, through that, Chad and I were able to have multiple conversations. And I feel for him, you know, I feel for him. I feel for his situation. I feel for what happened. Only those who see what's happening behind closed doors and see the proof 
truly know how to address people accordingly. And I feel for him, he lost everything dealing with that person. And, um, you know, I'm not an advocate for any form of domestic violence, but I'm also not an advocate for domestic violence when a woman is the abuser and not just men being the abusers. It has to go both ways. You know, a lot of times we will side with the, the lesser of the two. So guys get the short end of the stick because they're naturally bigger, stronger, and can outpower a woman naturally. But that doesn't mean women are not verbally abusive. That doesn't mean women are not physically abusive. We saw it with the Johnny Depp trial. You know, it's not okay whether you're a male, female, or whatever you choose to identify with. Domestic violence is not okay, but you can't do stuff and be an abuser and then cry wolf. Like, it's just very difficult. You, you got to kind of pick a side. You know, if you're not, if this person is your abuser, don't call them to rescue you if you're in a life or death situation, which we've all seen mm-hmm. that other person say. It makes no sense mentally. If this person is your alleged abuser, um, don't try to keep tarnishing him. But if he also is your alleged abuser, how the hell did you feel comfortable enough to ask him about me? That's what I want to know. That question is yet to be answered, you know? So, and I don't need an answer at this point because I've talked to Chad. Um, he, you know, he's a good dude and that's what I love about him. He's kept a positive outlook. He's moved on in his life and that's what he deserves. He deserves to have peace. But when somebody won't let go because they're still obsessed with that person, you'll see it play out. You don't see Chad sitting in a car crying in a Gucci hat every two seconds. You don't see that. That man doesn't have time to do that. He's got endorsements. He's got other things just like myself. I don't always want to speak on certain situations, but sometimes you have to so that the truth is truly out there. I don't want to be sued. I'm not dragging my lawsuit. The other party's dragging their lawsuit. So every day when I'm getting tagged about it, of course I want to talk about it openly. But it's difficult, you know? It's difficult because the mob will try to tell you you're dragging it. You guys are the ones fueling the fire because... I know you see what's happening. I just don't get the option to have to reply all the time because if I do, I become public enemy number one when really I'm just simply defending myself. That's why you, listen, my advice as the king of reality TV, silence is golden. Not everyone, OG, deserves a response because all it does is create more fire that could have been put out. So I appreciate you for, just look, this podcast reaches millions of listeners, and I'm happy that you decided to talk to me. I'm happy that I was able to give you your flowers and and, and to do it, not just on Twitter, but to your face, because I definitely think it's meaningful when you see the person and you hear the voice of the person saying it. So I appreciate you. Um, But before I let you go, tell the listeners where they can find you, follow you, support you, what you got going on, sis. Let us know. Yeah, I have a lot of things going on. I'm not going to speak too much on it because I kind of like things to happen and be done before I talk about it. But you will see me on TV again. I guarantee that. I've still been making my PPE masks. Although COVID has slowed down, we still have to provide masks for our nurses, doctors, and healthcare officials and essential workers. So you can find all of this on iHeartOG.com. You can always follow me on social media, which is also iHeartOG. And just stay tuned, you know. I have a lot coming up. And I know, Carlos, you said a couple of things that kind of sparked my interest. So if we work on something, just know that it'll be fire, it'll be successful, and it'll, God willing, soar to the sky. (laughs) I have no doubt. Well, thank you, OG, for blessing me with your presence and for blessing our listeners. Again, 
you have a huge fan base out there. I'm included. Um, and, I, and I can't wait to see you again in front of the screen. Yes. I just want to say thank you to OG for being so open and honest about her experience on the show and telling her truth. One of the things about this podcast is it truly is an open forum for people to come on and talk about their experience. We're not here to bash anybody or talk down to anybody. I, like I said in the interview, I like OG. I always thought she was a great star on the show. And I'm super happy that she felt so comfortable coming on my podcast to address her experience. And my hope is that everybody can be able to move on from this, heal from it. And like you guys, I want to see OG back on TV. Child, I want to see OG back on Basketball Wise, honey, because she was that girl. Just saying. Thank you for listening to Reality with the King. New episodes drop every Wednesday and Friday. Share, comment, follow, and subscribe to Reality with the King wherever you get your podcast. Visit realitywiththeking.com and be sure to follow me at King underscore on Instagram and Twitter. Tweet me your thoughts and hot takes about this episode using the hashtag RealityWithTheKing. Reality with the King is a production of More Sauce by Stitcher. It is executive produced by me, Carlos King, and Jasmine Henley-Brown. We are also produced by Lashik Lotus-Lee and LaPortia Thomas. Additional production support by Corinne Wallace and Alexis Williams. Engineering and music by Marcus Hong. More sauce.